Hey, you. Hey. Hey, are you listening? Hey. It's time for another episode of How I Got Tinnitus. Hey everyone, it's me, JD, and I'm back with another episode of How I Got Tinnitus. This is my last episode of, I guess we'll call it Season 1. There's no real good reason for me to do that, other than I'm going to roll out some new, a couple new things when we come back, uh, which will be in a couple weeks. So, 12 episodes, Season 1, that seems about right. Like, kind of like a sitcom. So what's happening, everyone? I hope you're doing good. I'm doing good. We're in the middle of summer 2022. It's been almost a year since my tinnitus kicked in. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm doing better. I'm doing good. I'm doing a lot better than I was a year ago. It's still there, for sure. But you know what? My tinnitus has not been around nearly as long as today's guest, my good friend, Caitlin Von Schmidt. Caitlin and I have known each other for a couple years, and she does a whole lot of cool stuff. But one of the things that we do that's cool together is we play in a band we call Youth Crisis. And hold on, I wanted to show you more or less how much things have changed for me uh, musically over the years. So let me just, let's go through a little musical history with J.E. Okay, first I'm going to play a sample of the techno album I made when I was like 15 years old. And this is the first thing I ever really made uh, musically. And I did it all on a computer and it was dorky as heck. So here's album one from JD, probably around 2000-2001 era. Okay, that's fine and good, but, uh, you know, that really never got too loud. I pretty much only listened to it on my computer monitor speakers when I made the thing and put it on a shelf and barely ever listened to it. But then, after the techno thing, I got a taste of making music. So I started this screamo power violency band with a bunch of dudes that I met through a local online message board all about local bands. And, and this is kind of what we sounded like. Woo-wee! And just looking at the audio file in this track, just this one of many, many dozens of loud music tracks I made over the years, it's just this solid bar of sound. There's no dynamics or anything. It's just loud. Anyway, so after years of trying to make another band that I felt like would make me as happy as that band, I finally found it in this project, Rebel Bass, that I talked a lot about with my last guest on last episode of the show, Matthew, uh, he was telling all these stories about being in the audience at our shows and me forcing earplugs on audience members or, you know, I wasn't really forcing them, but I would bring them around and strongly encourage people to use them. You'll, you'll hear why. Rebel, 
sweet lord, we were loud. We were so loud. And that song in particular, that one would always put me in quite the mood. And I I just felt like invincible when I would play those songs. Just, ah, but I couldn't have been more wrong. Anyway, um, so while Rebel Bass was still a thing, I started experimenting and creating all these other like side projects. One was a really spooky, like nightmare, Halloween sounding band. I did some stuff. I don't even know if you could call it music or even noise music. It was just like a bunch of crap. And a whole bunch of other projects. All these projects. Projects, projects, projects. And I didn't know anything about sound. Honestly. I just didn't know. I just knew I wanted music to be loud and aggressive and super expressive. And I was just totally immersed in it. Well, thankfully, at some point, things started to slow down in my head. And I did start to make quieter music. And pretty much the only band that I'm kind of semi-active with these days is this project that I have that we call Youth Crisis. And it's this cool kind of soft indie stuff. It's a little, it's a little, it's, it's unique. I'll say that much, but I'm really happy with how it sounds. Anyway, so you you might be able to tell from that last recording there and that things finally did start to get quieter. And uh, it's been really fun making this music with some good friends. And one of them is Caitlin. She plays bass and does some vocals and kind of whatever she feels like doing when the tape's rolling. So so today we're going to be talking a little bit about our respective histories. I wanted to hear from Caitlin who, like I said, has been dealing with tinnitus for a while. She said she got it playing a ton of rock shows back in the 80s. And having been part of a uh, some pretty thriving music scenes myself in the past, you know, I, I know how it can get. I was so caught up in music and shows. I was going to five to ten shows a month, sometimes playing that many and yeah it wasn't every day that i was wearing earplugs i mean i've talked about wearing them a lot at big concerts and something but there was there was this feeling of needing to just fully experience the local bands that i was seeing so it wasn't so common that i was wearing earplugs at those and i just feel like this is all too common a story and it's exactly why I'm sharing these tales on this podcast. One, so that folks like me know they're not alone, but also maybe one day someone's going to tune in and go, you know what? Wow, these folks sound a lot like me, and I don't have tinnitus yet. Maybe I should listen to what they have to say. And uh, yeah, so today... We are here talking with Caitlin, and we're going to hear all about what she has to say about having tinnitus. Thanks so much for tuning in to this whole first season of the show. 
Uh, it's been a real treat having you all along for the ride. I'm super excited about what the future is going to bring with How I Got Tinnitus. And I just once again encourage you all to follow the podcast on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Give us a good rating if you know you think we deserve it or whatever. Follow us on Instagram and you know I just would love to hear from people who are listening to the show. Yeah, we just love to hear from you. So uh without much further ado, let's get into this interview with Caitlin and I'll see you all in a few weeks. Hey Caitlin. Hey JD. <laughs> Thanks uh for coming to talk to me about your tinnitus. Mm. How's it treating you these days? Well, I am on the end of a head cold and it's actually jacked it up quite a bit. So oh, it's yeah. been on my mind a little bit more than usual. Yeah. What was it like a bother or just like you were aware of it during the head cold? Um during the head cold normally um, what I tell people about my tinnitus, should they ask, is I don't really usually notice it in regular settings. If people are talking around me, if TV is happening, really if there's any kind of background noise at all, I don't really notice it. But I noticed this week, while I've had this cold and I've been stuffed up, um, that I hear it all the time and mm. fairly loud. This has been one that I've been talking to people about and kind of surprised at the, the spread of their answers. You mentioned telling people about your tinnitus do you find that you're often telling people about your tinnitus how often does it come up well um more since i started thinking about it since you started doing this but also um i think when i first began to realize also what a big problem it was for you i already knew i had tinnitus and and i had talked about it occasionally um but i've been thinking about it more and kind of self-examining more about my own thinking about it. I do remember, though, a couple of years ago before, maybe right around the beginning of when you were starting to talk about it, realizing um, when I was talking to Justin that I don't ever hear silence. We were sitting outside and it was really quiet and we were talking about how quiet it was. And I had to explain to him, you know, I don't ever hear silence. I don't even know what that's like anymore. <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird. <clears throat> You had already been carrying it with you kind of quietly for a while, but you hadn't really taken the time to explain to anyone. Yeah. I mean, I've had it. I've probably had it since the 80s. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's very much just kind of, I don't think about it. You know, I didn't think about it for a long time until um, your tinnitus started being an issue. And then I'm not saying you're, you know, somehow made mine like, worse because I was thinking about it. It didn't change it. It wasn't like I was more aware of it necessarily, except um, I guess occasionally. And, and part of that was the kind of idea like, what is it like for other people? You know, Tom is 14. Hope he doesn't have any Tom, uh, you know, hearing damage. What is it like to be him and not have that ringing? You know, yeah, yeah. it's been so long for me that I don't have any recollection of what it was like not to have it. Wow. So do you even remember the time when it first showed up? Do you remember how no, that came about? Not really. I mean, I probably, you know, in the 80s, I used to go to shows so often that my ears were kind of in a constant state of ringing after a show. 
you yeah. know, so I would just put it down to, oh, well, you know, I saw that show four days ago. It's still kind of hanging on. And then before it went away, I would go see another show. And then it would be maybe because it was that show. So it's a little bit hard to say you yeah, know, yeah. when when it really started. And I'm sure it started, you know, at a low, low level and then probably built up. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the first time you were able to use the word tinnitus to describe what was going on? No, but it was a while ago because I remember I always wanted to call it tintinitis, you know, like oh. Tintin, the comic book. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me a long time to figure out that it was tinnitus. Um, so I remember just struggling with the name. So I must have been saying it because I was trying to learn the word of it. That was probably sometime, probably was, you know, it could be as long ago as 20 years. It could be a long time ago. It was before you could get on the internet it, that, and ask it to pronounce the word for you. That's why I was asking, because nowadays you can, of course, worry about something funny that happened to you while you were brushing your teeth and have a diagnosis by the time you leave the room. Exactly. Versus the 80s and just walking around and waiting until you ran into someone who might know about it or sure. something like that. Yeah, and, and maybe I started thinking about it too when um, I was in, you know, in my most quote-unquote successful band in the, in the mid-80s and uh, one of the guys in the band, a guitar player, ended up becoming an audiologist and he used to joke about how, you know, first he ruined their hearing and now he was making money helping to fix their hearing. Whoa. And that was over 15 years ago. Um, so I was, it was already a part of my consciousness then. What? Oh my gosh. So that, that's cool. Um, did, was that the reason why he became an audiologist? Because he was already aware of I think it partly like was. And he himself suffered from it, not surprisingly. And he had heard all the stories, you know, about Pete Townsend and, and uh, you know. He comes up famous, a lot here. <laughs> famous musicians who, ha who are, have been very open about their tinnitus. Yeah, yeah. Huh, that's that's interesting. I, I'm also interested in hearing, um, you know, cases of older or longer lasting tinnitus, especially from a musician's standpoint or Recently, I heard from a mutual friend of ours who worked in clubs in the 80s and, mm -hmm. and noisy bars and how the culture around hearing protection and, and just general health and safety was different from what it oh, is. To, you mean non-existent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly and I were talking about the amount of hydration the, the cast of Seinfeld might or might not have committed to. Um <laughs> So, yeah, just a difference in how sound and its potential harm was perceived. I know that my earliest memory of wearing any ear protection was my mom took me to a monster truck show. Oh, yeah. And as far as I knew, earplugs were reserved for monster truck rallies. Like, I didn't know that you needed them for anything else. I always thought it was strange because we went to some rock shows and stuff when I was younger. I mean, nothing too crazy, but I saw a band perform in the park in the middle of town or whatever, and I, as a kid, remembered being like, this is kind of loud. Yeah. Um, and, but, yeah, for some reason, the only time I ever wore earplugs was at a monster truck show. But you grew up with a lot of music in your life. So. Well, I did, but, you know, it was folk music. 
you know, and even though I was there the night Dylan went electric, <laughs> like there was never that kind of volume. And I was around tons of music. And even in high school, when I worked at the cool jazz festival in New York, I saw a ton of jazz shows. But those, the sound for those shows was so beautifully rendered. Yeah. It wasn't about yeah. volume. It was about tone and depth and all that stuff. So it sounded amazing, but I never you know, felt like my ears were going to bleed. Um, I remember the first show I was at where I thought, this is insane and this has to be bad for me. And it was the B-52s played at my college in what? Tucson. Loudest show I think I still have ever heard to this day. And we never, I never heard about earplugs. I don't think I knew anybody. I knew enough that I knew if I jammed something in my ear, it would be better. I mean, I, I specifically remember being at a little club show and I used to go into the bathroom, the bathroom. and take the really terrible club toilet paper oh my God. and wad it up and jam it into my ears. And I remember specifically one night having it go all the way in oh and no. using a cocktail fork to get it out. So that's how I was treating my ears yeah, yeah. at that point. And um, it wasn't till probably... 15 or so years later where um, I was working in a place that had a nightclub where I still went to a lot of shows and they gave away earplugs. Oh, wow. You could go to, it was at a club at a hotel and you could go to the desk of the hotel and ask for earplugs and they would give them to you. And um, I think that was when I started being much better about it. I still, I still really hated the sound of music through earplugs because I never spent money to get good earplugs i always had those really junky right. ones you pinch up and jam in there and hope they don't fall out yeah. um and and i'm a real treble girl i really like that high end so i really hate earplugs um but i have to force myself to do it even right. now yeah i i've come to really enjoy the sound of music through earplugs as much as a younger version of myself hates to hear me say that right now <laughs> but it, it it i've just found it to be far more enjoyable maybe it's, it's maybe a huge factor is the amount of relaxing i can do while i enjoy yeah. the music but well and are you talking about those junky little ones you pinch up or are you talking about better ones that you've gotten I mean, I do have the really good ones, but I wear earplugs everywhere now. I, I always have them on me. Mm -hmm. Annie and I went to a show recently, and I was wearing the foam ones and over ears. So, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't there to hear that high end. I, right, right. I, I was basically just feeling the vibrations through the walls yeah. and furniture at that point. But I mean, that's one thing. When you talk to Kelly D, that was one of the things I was thinking about, too, that was really part of my experience as well is that wanting to feel, you know, that that uh, that feeling of literally feeling the music of when the vibration is so loud and, and you can just feel it go through you. And I mean, I I always joke around that, you know, if I had wrote a book about it, you know, it would be called There's Always Room to Dance in Front of the Speaker. You know, I spent so much time literally right in front of the speakers, putting my head in the speaker. Oh, my gosh. Not even just at clubs. I, there's a Meat Puppets album. There's one particular song. There's one particular place. And when that came on at home, I would turn the stereo up as high as it could possibly get and put my head into the cone of the speaker, you know, for that part of the song. So... Again, I wasn't really, I wasn't playing self-defense at all. Right. Yeah, I used to do that with, uh, there's this Queens of the Stone Age album, unsurprisingly entitled Songs for the Deaf. And <laughs> the the first song does that, that intro thing where the, 
the riff is playing through like a radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, all, yeah, yeah. And then it kicks t- in. Yeah. And yeah. when it kicks in, it's so loud. And my stereo when I was in high school had a little remote to it. And I would sit there and listen to the intro at like a normal volume. And I knew right when it was going to kick in and I would just jam my finger on the plus button. And yeah. it would just hit me like a wall. That's what I was doing, only I didn't have a remote. I had to sit right in front of the yeah, stereo yeah. and turn it up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't say I don't miss that. You know, there there's a real different visceral response to music when you are feeling it like that. But, um, you know, and a lot of it's the being on stage, too. You know, ha- having having guys and... and Yes, being always in bands with guys and and them always with the competition. Who can be louder? Well, I can't hear myself, but instead of having someone else turn down, everyone's going to turn up. So everyone's jacked all the way up. Yeah, I remember at practices with my band in high school, I had... I, I had the biggest amp. I had a Marshall half stack. It was a crappy Marshall half stack, but it was a big one. Everyone else had these kind of smaller combo amps, so they screamed in their own way. And I distinctly remember several practices where I could see that all my knobs were all the way up. <laughs> all of them. And, that, you know, that's a people joke about it, but they yeah. were seriously all of them the EQ, the volume, yeah. the gain. And, I would be standing with my ear in front of the speaker going, I I can't really hear myself. I would ask everyone to turn it down and then I would find my sound and then they could come back up. And I still, yeah, it was so ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's it. That's rough. I would like to, you aren't the only person to bring up that, that feeling of the sound and what it does. Uh, I I believe I've read somewhere. I don't have the science to back me up right now, but I I think there is a real chemical thing that happens in your brain. Oh, where, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. You're you're just getting so pumped off yeah. of that volume. But I know I've heard some people describe that feeling of when they're physically doing damage to their ears. Uh, they they can remember the sensation. What's his name from? The magnetic fields. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Hold on. That guy I really love, whose name, I don't know. Main guy? Stephen Merritt. Stephen Merritt uh, from Magnetic Fields has tinnitus. And I read this article where he says he got it from seeing that German noise band that I don't know oh, how to pronounce. Yeah, I know the one I, you mean. Ner- a Neubotten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he says he saw them and they were doing this performance where they were like cutting sheet metal. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, you know the song? Or I know that. I know the band. Uh, so, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they were cutting sheet metal or something on stage and he was all blissed out by the volume. And when I read that article, I could totally relate because... I used to do the same thing with like rebel bass. I remember I would headbang and it would sound like like some perverse version of putting your ear up to a shell at the beach, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like the shell was full of lava and the lava was leaking out and going into your ear. So yeah, and it's it's just interesting that so many of us end up you know trying to chase that high and then it gets us. Yeah. So 
I remember before you were doing this podcast, um, <coughs> excuse me, hearing uh, you say that you feel like kind of like you were misled. If only people in the medical profession had described to you what would happen if you damaged your ears. I thought like you thought. Oh, I'll be like, eh? What'd you say? Yeah. You know, I didn't know I was going to have this mosquito whine in my head for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe I would have been a, <laughs> a little more careful. Right. Yeah. And I was just talking about this with someone on the show. Um, the that that misnomer of uh, that misunderstanding of the way that it's passed down through the scene through rock shows and everything. They say. Oh, you know, that ringing you hear after a show, that's the last time you're going to hear that note, mm. right? Is that? Did you ever hear that line? No, I think I did maybe hear, though, like, uh, if you hear the ringing at some point, yeah. um, you know you've done some damage. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a, one more little bit that you've destroyed. Right, right. Yeah, but I, I wanted to do, like, a little thought piece about it, but I still don't know if I'm smart enough to dissect this concept that I'm still trying to understand, but... The term confirmation bias. Are you mm -hmm. familiar? Mm -hmm. So London and I were just talking about confirmation bias the other day. And it kind of made me think about how I've used evidence of rockers not using hearing protection as proof that I could do the same thing. Mm. I've, I've rather unfairly to myself my entire existence on this planet compared myself to the biggest of the best rock stars <laughs> thinking that I could keep up. Um, but do we actually know they don't suffer from it? Well, so that's a big thing, right? I, I, I do wonder if the industry is kind of trying to quiet some of that conversation because as much as I dig into these tinnitus conversations, they always seem to kind of hit a wall like they just stop and... Yeah, why was there never that PSA where someone looked into the camera? Why wasn't there a "This is your brain" on tonight's right. commercial? Yeah. You know, yeah, there there were a few commercials in the '90s, like Lars Ulrich from Metallica mm -hmm. did one, mm -hmm. and there's a couple, but I've always kind of had an issue with the way a lot of that messaging is framed. It's often like, "Hey, don't be a dummy." Wear ear protection, yeah, and yeah. you're kind of like, oh, you know, I've you can't seen. Tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's always the reaction. Yeah, um, that's not rock and roll. Well, what bugs me, this truly bugs me, is we know this is the thing. We know that what every touring rock band, it doesn't even have to be rock. It could be pop. It could be whatever. Yeah, we know yeah. every single one of those shows is damaging people's hearing, and yeah. it kind of bums me out that. They just do it because it's, I guess, they're giving the people what they want. But what, maybe 10% max of people out there are actually protecting their ears at these things. And so there's generations ahead, woo, that are just going to suffer just like us. And there's still no PSA. Yeah. And the people are still going on tour and just destroying everyone's hearing. Where's the responsibility? Yeah, yeah. Turning into an old lady, yelling at clouds. No, I have I have some uh, conversations I want to have on on that front about getting the message out. Yeah, I mean, I was even at um, Ani and I were talking about this. The uh, I was at this uh, ski jump event. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was so cool and. 
there was a PA to, you know, do announcements and all sorts of stuff. But they had the speakers set up randomly throughout the general admission area or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the speakers were at, like, head level. And there's people, like, just walking around, standing right next to the speakers. I just think that they're... You mentioned there's only 10% or whatever. We don't know the exact right. Who knows? Stat, probably but, less. But it's it's not a majority of the population yeah. that's that's standing there going, we got to do something. So, yeah, there's this kind of peer pressure thing going on. I mean, even with my hearing being what it is and the, the way that I communicate it to nearly everyone that meets me, I still have people regularly telling me oh it's not that loud you know and i i choose not to like get upset about it i i might and i don't wish to get into these debates with people about right, right. it so i have to advocate for myself but it's it's just wild that there's this misperception of what are damaging levels of sound yeah i think they should have to label tours shows like they label food and you should have they should have to have a, like a warning label that tells you the decibel level of the show that you're going to go to and then you can decide if you want to protect your ears against something that's like you standing near a jet engine right, for right, 2 hours right right yeah yeah i i often think about um, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but we had the dare campaign. We had these like scared straight. <laughs> yeah, it was things. after my time, but yeah, I got but, to laugh at it. But I mean, you must have had at least one assembly at school where, um, you know, they came, some some police officers came in to tell you about the dangers of X, and they or, like they tell X, you. Some, I don't think they'd invented well, not X, but, <laughs> but you know, I, they told us not to cross the train tracks. Yeah, That's yeah. all I remember. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, this isn't the best example of one, but uh, they said, uh, the D.A.R.E. guys came to our class and they said, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. And this was all in the context of don't do drugs so you can put your mind to stuff. Right, and, you can be an astronaut or the and, president. Yeah, and I raised my hand and I was like, can you teleport? And the guy was like, oh no, you can't teleport. <laughs> And so I was like, well, fuck it then. Why should I listen to you? But but despite that, I actually did listen to uh, a lot of those those sort of educational assemblies that they had. Um, they'd have we, – we lived on the border of mm -hmm. U.S. and Mexico, so they'd always have like a border patrol agent coming in and tell us about all the harrowing details of some huge drug bust they had done. And I was probably the one kid in that whole assembly going like, wow, I'm never going to do that. So sometimes <laughs> I almost think of like these like sort of scared straight campaigns. Mm -hmm. Like, if it, you know, what, you know, if I went to, hearing? yeah, if I went to school and, and scared the crap out of a bunch of kids, but even doing that, you got to use like a PA speaker, which has lately been my enemy in a public forum. Yeah. Like, Is there a way you could put them in a room? And make that wine happen, and then lock them in there for twenty four hours. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then tell them, it, don't listen to loud music, kids. <laughs> I did do. Uh, I I tried to. I did some student teaching in high school, and I did an event where I was trying to tell some kids about 
how cold something was and we were all taking turns reading and I like offered this bucket of ice water and told kids they could like put their hands or feet in it while they read their paragraph you know and I thought that was like because that was something that interested me in during that during when I was trying to like learn about learning I a big thing that in my education was hard for me to understand was sometimes those concepts seemed so distant. Mm -hmm. I remember I had, I could not understand how world war one happened and I had to come into my teacher's uh, classroom during lunch or something. And I just said to him, I felt so confused that I couldn't understand it. And I was like, could you just like break it down for me? And so he had to get like really, he had to come up with all these examples and analogies to help me understand. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like such a remove as for someone who doesn't have a ringing in their ears, who can entertain sounds as loud as they can possibly go without flinching. Yeah. You know, how do you convince someone before it's too late? Yeah, I don't know. You get, you yeah, offer the sound, but... The sound demonstration like you're talking about, but they're still going to laugh it off and say, that's just a speaker and you're just yeah. a person older than me telling me what to right. do. So, so yeah. Yeah, I Shut don't know. Up, old man. No, I, I seriously wonder about that. And that's something Kelly and I were talking about. I don't know. I guess, um, you know, you can always catch some people. I, I feel like... Uh, Sometimes I worry that we raised Tom to be trepidatious. Certainly we didn't mean to, but I think he will be someone that will care about that. You know, the kids that don't want to take their masks off yet, even when people tell them it's okay, they're not ready. I think those are the kids that might actually say, you know, maybe I will wear yeah. earplugs because why not? Yeah. You know, is it that bad? Yeah. Um, but at least I won't have this god-awful ringing in my ear that my mother won't shut up about. <laughs> I'm, so you've talked to him about yeah. it? Does he ever ask you any questions about it? No, but I just like to bring it up now and then just to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a little... Don't forget. Yeah, like even my yeah. baby niece, when I, when I call my sister, she'll be in the background and she'll be like, how's Uncle J.D.'s ears? <laughs> so. Yeah, I, and um, I wonder sometimes... When you were talking to Kelly D, too, also, there was the kind of, you know, if you could rank, you know, if you could rank that noise, where it would be, you know, on zero to ten or whatever. And then I kind of think, well, how do I, you know, is that mean I'm ranking it just against my own concept of what would be the worst? You know, I can't imagine what yours might be. Maybe you, for me, yours would be like a hundred. You yeah, know, yeah. And mine is, seems like three. Um, but I do... You know, when things like this, when I have the cold or if I'm in a elevator, you know, if I'm suddenly in a place where it's super, super quiet and then I really, really notice it. Um, and then I think maybe it maybe it is more than I think. I don't know. I guess it just varies enough. And, and I guess maybe one of the maybe a good thing about having it for a million years is is just there now. Yeah. You know, it's. Unless, like now, it's pushed up a little and I can notice it and maybe I'm talking about it with you and listening to other people talk about it, I think about it. But for the most part, it's just, you know, like a kind of annoying scab that never heals. It's, yeah. just, it's just part of who I am now. Yeah, and I I'm, I think I'm still in the very early stages. I 
try to catch myself before I speak in these absolute terms like, oh yeah, it's totally behind me, but I do feel like I'm doing pretty good, especially compared to like a year ago when it seemed to suddenly get louder for me. And is that you not hearing it as much or are you dealing with it differently? Well, it's it's dealing with it differently. The 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 struggle in the early days was wanting to fight it, wanting to beat it, wanting mm-hmm. it to go away. Mm-hmm. And so that constant struggle made it that much harder for me to truly overcome what right. it is I was trying. So, yeah, I mean, I had a really fine day yesterday where I pretty much forgot about it. And even today, kind of riding off the back of that, waking up, and despite me knowing that I was going to devote my day working on my Tinnitus podcast, Mm -hmm. I didn't think about it at all. You know, sometimes I think about it like when I'm mixing the sound or or doing some editing or something, Mm -hmm. and and there's like a little speaker pop or something and that makes me go oh but aside from that it it's it's getting better and better i think the biggest thing i guess if you want to say hindering my progress is this kind of preoccupation with making sure that i stay safe mm. i'm i'm like the guy with like the the traffic safety vest right. and the blinkers on <laughs> at all times so I don't know. I'd, I'd obviously like to, I, I definitely like to adapt from that. We, you know, we were talking earlier about rock stars and perhaps falsely perceiving that they were living without tinnitus or hearing problems. Yeah. And Lemmy is an example that I think of very often. Uh, he, he, Motorhead was famous for being super duper loud. Yeah. And they were wild rockers and i you know it, it you talking about your meat puppets thing even in your house that's w- without being at a concert and being hopped up on like piles of drugs and and you know everything like you throw all those things that go with the rock and roll lifestyle and or you know not just rock and roll like you're saying like um i've seen some pretty horrific videos of people like like crawling into these giant speakers at like techno techno festivals and stuff like that Mm. and um yeah well and for sure the rock and roll lifestyle as a euphemism for doing drugs definitely takes the edge (laughs) off self-protection at times you know you yeah you know like you were saying you get that blissed out thing where you know suddenly the music is you and you're the music and it's going through you and you're all one and everything else and you are really not thinking about the fact that you're doing any kind of damage to your ears because that's the furthest thing from your mind probably the most damage i i can assume that i did to myself was while playing my loud rock and roll music and drinking liquid courage and you know i rem- i sometimes it hits me like if i'm having some beers talking to someone and the right acdc song comes on or something and i'll just grab the edge of a table and start like headbanging or something <laughs> and I, i'm like yeah i can do it and um I, I said, talking yeah. to Kelly, that uh, my old band Rebel Bass made me feel like invincible at times, and you know maybe sometimes it made me it was, feel like that, and I wasn't even yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was wild, and yeah. I, w- 
And I, I, I still have those urges. You know, when we were watching Attack on Titan, Maximum the Hormone does this one great, like, head-banging song that's one of the themes. Oh, yeah. I want to go into a room and play that as loud as I possibly can. I yeah. just know it would be great. Yeah. You know, and I kind of miss it. I yeah. kind of miss actually being stupid enough to be able to do yeah. something like that. I mean, on the one hand, you might be able to say, hey, at least I did it when I was young and could, like, bounce back a little yeah. on the day, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that as harsh as all of that sounds, sometimes I do look back at that and go, like, well, that was pretty badass. You yeah. Know? I, I do think of this one time when my roommate had just gotten this 8 by 10 bass cab, like eight, uh, 10, is it 10 8-inch speakers or 8 10-inch speakers? <laughs> anyway, it was a, a ton of speakers, and he had just gotten, the, he had like spent his tax return on getting this brand new shiny Fender bass, and he would leave for the day, and he had an old vintage big muff pedal, this fuzz pedal, and I would just stand in front of that bass amp. I'm talking like six inches in front of that bass yeah. amp, and I would just play distorted, fuzzed out bass. Like, I wanted to feel my eyelashes. Were you like Marty back. in Back to the Future? You know, where it blows oh, yeah, him yeah, across yeah, the yeah, room? Yeah, yeah, Oh my gosh. Well, I've done that too, making bad uh, connections with my... Um, all my stereo cables and equipment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing. We play music together now in youth crisis, and it's it's quiet, but that's that's the result of years of abusing. I, I mean, I was I abused sound because I didn't quite understand it, and I would just like jam stuff into the wrong equipment. Oh yeah, and feedback yeah. and. Yeah. And that was such a result of of people telling me what I could and couldn't do with music and and sound. They you know, I I rubbed elbows with people who knew what they were doing with sound and recording mm -hmm. and they would say, "Oh, that's insanity." And this makes you want to do it more. Yeah, it just made me want to do it more. Yeah. And I try not to feed too much into those um regret moments. That's probably when I've got a little more momentum going with the podcast, maybe one day I'll I'll dive deep with someone about, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that problem. You you mentioned your meat puppet speaker incident, but I, I know from my own end, sometimes I will zoom in on a particular incident, an acoustic incident, yeah, yeah. and go, oh my God, what was, you know, some of them I could have helped better than the others, but yeah. It, it's hard not to. I mean, zoom mine in. really was the the dancing thing. I mean, it, you could almost if I liked a band, you could find me always on the dance floor in front of one of those speakers. In front of the always, speaker. every time. So, you know, we're talking, you know, months and months of nights of just doing that to myself yeah. in bars with crappy sound systems that just were loud. Uh -huh. You know. Well, this but in a way, I. I guess if I could, maybe I would wear earmuffs, ear or earmuffs, earplugs, anything. But you know, I I don't completely regret it. Yeah. You know, yeah. my tinnitus is not so bad that I would necessarily give up all that if I could go back. Right. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. It was it was a blissful time in some ways. Right, right. But yeah, I got this ringing in my ears now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it it sounds, luckily enough, like you've had, uh, despite all the years of living with tinnitus, a pretty okay time of it. Yeah, yeah, I've never had, uh, you know, I've never kind of had a thing where it, it consumed me, you know, and all I could think about was how I had this ringing and it was making me crazy or, um, you know, it's more like a, like kind of a very tiny pebble in my shoe, would you know? You, would you would you say of the, you know, they say there's type A and type B personalities, Would I, what would you say, you do you fall into one of those categories? I mean, if you had to pick I one, I think I'm Type A. Uh huh. After a childhood of Type B, what what is Type is that B? Possible? I don't think I've ever known know. anyone to say that proudly that they were Type right? B. Right. I always think Type A is the kind of right, white, pushy, aggressive, you know, outgoing. But honestly, when you ask me what's Type B, I'm like, I don't know. Is I guess the opposite: nice, yeah. introverted, quiet. Yeah, you're sitting in front of the whole world of knowledge. Laid back and flexible. There you go. Oh, I like to think I'm aggressive and flexible. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be A B? Casual and carefree approach. Anyway, I I'm I'm approaching that subject because when it comes to the tinnitus distress, you know, even when I reflect on my whole situation, like how have I come this far down this tinnitus road, like. Couldn't I have just dropped it? Because it, it's interesting. I'm sitting here, We've known each other for years and years. You've apparently had tinnitus this whole time. It barely ever came up. Mm. And here I am, a noob, and, and I'm, I'm going crazy, and I have this podcast, and I can't stop talking about it, and I'm like a living beam. I just like walk around injecting tinnitus subjects into every conversation <laughs> I have with people. It was surprising to me to hear how recent it was for you, actually. I kind of assumed, because you've been around loud music for a lot longer than the amount of time you apparently have had tinnitus, that, like me, you would have kind of had it, like, since you could remember. I was pretty I was pretty big on ear protection. Uh, most of my life I had, had it near me, at mm-hmm. least. So it wasn't that free. However... I do know there were plenty of times where I was doing an obscene amount of damage. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've done the toilet paper thing. One of the memories I go back to a lot is practicing with my band that was so loud. Uh, the, the baseball coach from a stadium four blocks away, like a quarter of a mile away, <laughs> came over in the middle of the day and he was like, your band is so loud. Inside a house, we weren't like outside or anything. Yeah, yeah. Your band is so loud. My team can't focus on practice. They He gave us season passes to the baseball team's games to <laughs> like in an effort wow. to co- like convince us to practice on another day. And we arranged with him and it was all fine. But uh, that's dur- pretty loud. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, during that time, I would maybe every so often put paper to uh, uh, toilet paper in my ears. Yeah. you know, and that was which, let's face it, does not really work virtually well. nothing. Yeah, I mean, it might remove like some of the high end and maybe a like a one or two decibel reduction, yeah. maybe. But yeah, it's <laughs> virtually nothing. 
Um, but uh, on the type A, type B stuff, there, uh, I, I want to look more into this, but I, I was listening to this interview with uh, this guy who developed this tinnitus treatment system, I guess you could say. And he was saying that he had heard that more often than not, people who had an issue with their tinnitus bugging them were type A. So the the type of people who had to be yeah. able to have a solution to things. And I think that has very much been, that was very much my motivation, as I already mentioned, like yeah. early on, I wanted to to fix it. I will say, in that respect, I would say I'm type B. Like I'm pretty low stress personality generally, yeah. pretty laid back. Yeah. I don't really worry about stuff very much. Um, you know, kind of one of those, oh, I'm sure it'll fix itself. Yeah. You know, which doesn't doesn't always work. Well, it's Not funny I had but... that approach until it was really broken. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kept like taping the faucet shut and then Yeah. and then it just busted. Right. Yep. But um I mean, I guess now I just try to be careful cuz I don't want it to get worse. Yeah. You know, if for instance, if I had some experience you know where it sounds like for you it just suddenly it really jumped up you know if i i don't know if, what it would take but if something happened you know i guess that's one of the vaccination side effects that they don't talk about very much is some people get tinnitus and if something jacked it up my you know lackadaisical attitude might change yeah. but as it is now it's just something that's just part of my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. yeah in the meantime i think that's where education about what safe sound levels and, you know, comfortably introducing, if you want to call it life, lifestyle adjustments or corrective measures, is probably your best bet. But even then, that that's where I sometimes worry that I've learned too much <laughs> and now I can't enjoy simple... I mean, sometimes... Even listening to the radio in the car, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this too loud? You know, and that's so funny. I was thinking about that today. We were in the car, and when I'm in the car alone, I still jack the music way up so that when other people come in, I forget. I don't turn it down. They're like, what the? You know, (laughs) I don't think it's doing anything to my ears, but um, but I still have that visceral want. Yeah, you know, yeah, I want it to be loud. It's well, not crazy loud, but it's other people perceive it as loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be saying something because, yeah, I, I had that visceral need for so long. Ani used to always, we used to have this kind of really like cute little war in the car where I'd turn up a song and she'd go and quietly, like just slightly turn it down. And I'd say, <laughs> I want the song this loud. And of course, now it's the other way around where yeah. she's trying to turn it up right. and I'm trying to turn it down. Um, but, you know, I think that says something about where you're at with your tinnitus. If you're still craving those loud sounds and you still want to go there and that's what makes you happy and you aren't preoccupied with whether or not that sound is going to hurt you, that's the way I see it, like kind of a good thing because you're staying on a more positive outlook for this thing. Yeah. And when I do go to big shows, so like when we were in that, we went to that Lucius show recently, which probably as loud shows go, wasn't super loud, but I had earplugs in the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was happy to have them. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But it also, uh, 
and I think you get this sometimes too. Not everyone I was with, I think, had earplugs in, and I just kind of wanted to tell people, don't yeah, you know, don't you just want to maybe put some earplugs in? You no, know, <laughs> no, I, I I can't hear it as well, you know. Yeah, I I it's um that's a funny one. The recurrence of we've already talked about it. That whole I can't hear it as good. Yeah, and yeah, that's such a temporary thing because it's like one day. You you absolutely won't be able to hear it as good if you keep it up this yeah. way. But yeah, again, you can't like really convince anyone. And and going back to that confirmation bias concept that I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around, it sounds like yeah, if you have evidence to support your idea that you know you aren't gonna get hurt, then you're just gonna hold on to that evidence as long as possible. Even if your best friend, Caitlin, is sitting right in front of you saying, hey, I have this issue, you can, there's still this fallacy in all of our thinking where we can look at something and say, well, that'll never happen to me. Yeah. 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 And I guess maybe some people, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there are people who I was with in those days, I don't know that they necessarily do have tinnitus the way I have tinnitus. You know, I don't know how much of this is an absolute, how much of it depends on genetic predisposition. Now, you've looked into the science of it way more than I have. So, um, you know, maybe you can say, can, can two people be exposed to the same levels of sound and come out with different amounts of damage. Yeah, I would assume so, because there's all sorts of other factors. You mentioned we were talking about, um, you know, like getting inebriated. I've read some studies that say like that drinking, for example, can relax the muscle. So your ear has a muscle that has a, a very particular name that flexes in an effort to give you this sort of physical protection mm-hmm. from loud sounds. And um, it's my understanding that over time, that muscle's strength starts to give. And um, also under the influence of, like, say, a depressant like right. alcohol, um, you know, that might have an effect. So... Yeah, I just shuddered to think of like the, the the cases of people who are drunk or high or feeling it and and taking that opportunity to like dive in, man, and yeah. and having to pay the a price that they 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 pay for something they hadn't quite bargained for. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's ultimately the 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 thing that I would like to like step in to address for to give people the information to make that choice that that this is the cost so that they can better assess that cost yeah Yeah. because i know for myself with my own history that just no one no one i i hate to sound like there's this mr show bit about a child actor who blew all of his money really early and then was like kind of having to deal with it in adulthood and they're interviewing the adult child star and he goes um they were just giving me all this money it didn't come with instructions (laughs) and he's like you know trying to 
to voice off the blame. Yeah. Um, but it's true. I didn't know. I mean, yeah, some of the some of the language was out, but it was like framed poorly, right? Yeah. Like, well, we all knew ringing in your ears, you know. All of us would compare, you know, the deaf. Oh man, my ears are really ringing. But it was almost like the amount your ears were ringing was equal to the amount of fun, fun you had. Yeah, you know, exactly. the more your ears were ringing, the better a time it was. Oh yeah, now that I subscribe to hashtag tinnitus on <laughs> on social media. I can't tell you how many times I see like photos of a show or someone d- taking a glorious photo of their dream guitar rig set up mm-hmm. and it'll say like, here we go. And then hashtag tinnitus. <laughs> and they think it's like a joke or something. Right. And there's the, I spend so much time just Google searching with tinnitus thrown in there. And especially when it comes to looking up, rock trivia Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a rock concert photography website called gimme tinnitus (laughs) or maybe it's the photographers like alias or something but i don't know when when there's there's albums like songs for the deaf or Mm -hmm. a rock photography page called gimme tinnitus and there's even more recently like a concert series called tinnitus oh wow yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, would you have, you know, like an like an unprotected sex orgy in the early '80s called AIDS? Like, <laughs> you know, like would right? You know, I don't know. Like, I uh, hope not. Yeah, that might soften <laughs> the the importance of the message, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So, I I wonder. Well, that's it. Still, I mean, to me, that's still the macho part of it that was my experience when i was in bands right you know the kind of we're gonna the louder we are the better we are yeah yeah, um and uh it you know you can be loud and great but you don't have to necessarily be loud to be great god this sounds so hokey but you know but i i believe it you know and and um you know when you get right down to it the bands that I have loved the most or the musicians aren't necessarily the loud ones even though I might have loved going to shows that were really loud and even the bands that were loud then I don't think are that loud now you know have well, you yeah. noticed those bands that have survived from that time have gotten I think more and more yeah, quiet yeah. well I never even understood it as a kid following especially heavier acts mm-hmm. that there's always that stage at album like five or six if they were always screaming that's the first album where there was what they call clean singing <laughs> or yeah. uh, you know the the inevitable acoustic ballad right from the power the ballad yeah, suddenly yeah. yeah and right i didn't really understand i used to when I was first starting Rebel Bass, I was like, we're never going to have one of those quiet songs. <laughs> and now I'm like, man, I wish we had written like a quiet song, you know. <laughs> I think yeah. I had written one song that had like clean guitar and Annika was like, no, not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, well, now, yeah, it wasn't really a Rebel Bass way, was it? Right, right. But now, but now that's that's what I crave. I mean, but... I, I even I wonder about acts like there's this band Sun O. I don't know if you've ever heard of no. them. They uh, 
I think it's mostly these two guys. And when they perform live, they tend to wear like these robes and they just play like a typical Sunno song. The jokes go is like, is like two chords, Mm -hmm. like not, not two chords repeated over and over, but like two chords. And the song's yeah. like 20 minutes Right, long. right. And it's like... <laughs> and they're supposed to be like impossibly loud. And that's like a part of the experience. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I I mean, do I care? I would like to see a band like that exist. But everyone at the door is given really great ear protection. Yeah, yeah. But you know? The, the um, maximum. Yeah. But let's face it, people left to their own devices don't always make the right decisions. So, like, even if that band exists and they gave out the best ear protection you could possibly buy at the door, half the people would be like, fuck this, throw it away. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think it's ultimately going to have to be, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be a much bigger shift. The earplugs are like the start of it, yeah. but it it seems to not make a ton of sense that you would, and you sort of touched on this, that you would have a thing exist that is inherently dangerous and sell tickets to the public for it, you yeah. know, like, and, 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 and that you would have to wear safety gear to go have fun. I don't, yeah. I don't think makes sense. Cause even, you know how certain skateboarders have made it seem like totally cool to skate without pads and helmets. Though so that right. seems to be more of a thing now that pads and helmets are actually cool. But, yeah. you know, stuff like that, there's this idea that, yeah, you can do something dangerous but still be cool about it. So I wish there was some technological leap that we hadn't made it to yet. You know, at some point before amplification... This wasn't an issue, right? No right. one could get loud enough yeah. to make that problem. Then we got amplification, and then it got more and more sophisticated, and now we can make noises that are like, you know, can blow the roof off. So how come technology can't make something loud that won't hurt you? I guess because they can't make cigarettes that won't hurt you either, you know? So maybe there are just some things that can't happen. But wouldn't it be great if you could get that feeling without totally screwing up your ears? Well, it would it would have to be. That's a great point, and I think it would have to be, you know, a, a whole paradigm shift. We've also entered into this, like l- these loudness. The they call them the volume wars. Mm-hmm. Um, in like when you look up on audio mixing forums and mm-hmm. stuff, uh, ever since the '90s, albums have been getting louder and louder. I want to say it's. Um, Rick Rubin, I think, is like kind of famous in the industry for mm-hmm. compressing the shit out of albums, and with that compression, like comes more volume pushing or something okay. like that. I, I, there's, I could probably stand to be educated more on that, but, <laughs> but yeah, music is getting louder and louder, and we all are carrying super powered speakers with us at mm-hmm. all times. And more and more people have that in their ears yeah. instead of listening to it in the ambient, yeah, you know, yeah. way. Yeah. So it's, I think that there's a lot of momentum behind that huge wall of sound, and it's going to take us a moment to to slow it 
down and and take stock and yeah and look we at have things. to make chamber music cool again yeah yeah I don't... or not i just want to listen to loud music without hurting my ears is that so much to ask <laughs> I think yes. Apparently yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why we're here. <laughs> well, I don't know. We've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we have. Moral of the story is, uh, what is it? <laughs> Put those earplugs in. Okay, that that's it. I would have expected, uh, yeah. I guess we covered... Uh, I can I can also cut out your cough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh how, the moral of the story is you only have one set of ears, you know? Take it seriously. It's I feel the same way like don't keep wearing super high heels. You're going to really screw up your feet and you're going to be sorry later, <laughs> you know? There are so many things, you know? Just just don't you don't need to get tan that much you know it's okay if you don't you don't need to get melanoma you know there are other things you know people understand about cigarettes they even understand about putting on sunscreen you know like why can't people think about putting in earplugs the way they think about putting on sunscreen it's okay to put on sunscreen now i guess you can still feel the sun though when you have sunscreen on so it's different Yeah, it might just take a whole extra, maybe an extra generation's worth of work to to instill the messaging. It's up to us parents. Yeah. yeah. We got to pass down the knowledge. Wear your damn earplugs, Johnny. Well, London always talks about that, you know, how a lot of kids growing up today are going to see their parents uh, being the rebels that, we all are in this generation to our previous generation. So yeah. we turned it up because our parents told us to right. turn it down. And um, I imagine there's going to be that sort of effect where a future generation might see, oh, my parents listen to music loud, so I'm going to get into stuff that's quiet. I don't it's know. It's like that. that what is that uh, AMDR? Is that what it's called? What is the thing? What is the new type of oh amsr amsr yeah, thank yeah. you yeah right. or, it's, it's, sorry sorry asmr yeah asmr right isn't that like disquiet kind of like you know quiet noises yeah and... yeah i remember yeah like two three years ago i thought asmr was gonna like run for president or something you know, was, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i guess it didn't catch on i don't know some asmr bands that'd be a pretty cool uh future genre of music yeah All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, so ended at that. ASMR for the win. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's all let's all get together and have a great ASMR band. Okay. Well, I okay, one one th- on ASMR. <clears throat> yeah. You no, know, um when I was a kid, I didn't know what ASMR was. I think that's did they but have the, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Did they have a name? When, when, when did the name happen? It was, um, I've looked it up, but it was something like uh, someone about my age uh, had been noticing this sensation and um, 
did some like research and like divined the terminology to most accurately define it for mm-hmm. for several people. But I remember specifically I had this scene that I had taped off of cable of uh did you ever see that movie French Kiss? No. With Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein. Oh, yeah. Maybe I did see that. There's actually. this weird scene where uh Kevin Klein's trying to get Meg Ryan to smell these different things that are in the ground surrounding the area where his family makes wine. Mm-hmm. And so she tastes the wine and then she smells all the things that are in the ground and then she tastes the wine again and she can like taste it in the wine. Yeah. But I remember watching that scene as a kid and being obsessed with essentially that ASMR quality of it was it was very quiet. Mm-hmm. And there's the clicking of the bottles. And it just did something to me. And I kept I, I ended up making a tape of ASMR sounds and it was like that. And I would watch that show Great Chefs uh-huh. that uh I know it was like one of Emeril Lagasse's first television appearances, but you could hear the sound of his restaurant hood in the background. And then one of my favorite sounds, which is um, it's like a spoon clanking on like a small glass bowl. Uh huh. And it would like make me so happy. <laughs> and so I already had this sort of background in seeking out these particular sounds and then I remember I was 10 or 11 and I beat Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo and when you beat Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo uh, the game credits roll and there's there's a fireworks display Mm -hmm. in the background and every time those fireworks would go off I don't know what it was, but I would hear this like buzzing sound. I could, I would describe it to my brothers. I could feel it like in the base of my skull, like at the top of my spine, base of my skull. And it sounded just like my tinnitus. It was this little. Wow. <laughs> and I remember at an early age saying to my brothers, like, hey, do you guys hear that? And they were like, no. Oh, how weird. Yeah. So now I want to play that game and win. Please do and report to me because <laughs> the, the, I mean, while I'm not thinking that I'm going to like, you know, solve the Da Vinci code or anything <laughs> here when it comes to tinnitus, these are some of the weird pieces that I'm trying to put together because yeah. I do think there is like a strange, mysterious link. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a good end. Okay, thanks, Caitlin, for coming out. Yeah, thank you.